Mr. Webster, welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan? I'm, I'm small, aren't I? Yeah, you're pretty tiny. Ugh. Good now? Okay. Hello, Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Marvel released its latest attempt at a movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. <laughs> We're here to... Okay. Let's... Yeah, right out, right out the gate. <laughs> We're here this week to review it. Oh, uh, that was good. Full spoilers ahead if you care. Uh, zooming into our medium shot now. What's your history with the Ant-Man franchise, Ryan? I mean, we watched it. Can we really call it an Ant-Man franchise? There's three of them. <laughs> There's three of them, I guess. Uh, you know, just I remember watching the first Ant-Man being like, yeah, this is okay. It, it was fun. I liked Paul Rudd in it. I liked the dynamic he had with um Michael Douglas. And I remember Ant-Man and the Wasp and thinking this is a nice just kind of refresher after Infinity War. Uh, and yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> those, those two movies are, you know, they're pretty decent, but they're not, like, phenomenal. You know? Yeah. I remember quite liking the first Ant-Man <coughs> when, um, when it originally came out in 2015. Did it come out just before or after Avengers Age of Ultron? I want to say it was after. I think it was the last mm-hmm. one of Phase 2. I thought it was before. It was before. Because Ant-Man's, 20, Ant-Man's 2014 and Age of Ultron's 2015. No, Ant-Man's 2015. Isn't it? I, just, I know it's the same year, I just don't remember which came first. Anyway, I like the idea that they had something like Avengers Age of Ultron, which was a big scale thing, and then you went no, the exact... And then you went the exact opposite and had an Ant-Man movie. So you had the Avengers and the small guy in one year. So I thought that was pretty cool from when I first saw it. I, I've always liked Paul Rudd. I'm not like a super fan of his or anything, but I've liked him in pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. I think he's a really funny, charismatic guy. Huh. Uh, I also like Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly. Good cast in it. Uh, didn't have really high expectations. I was never a huge fan of the Ant-Man character growing up. So even in Phase 2, Marvel was starting to get to those characters that, like Guardians of the Galaxy and yeah. Ant-Man, where I'm like, okay, I like these are guys I still heard of, but I'm not as big on you guys already but you know what you know marvel has a great track record is 2015 me speaking mm. and uh, i'm willing to see this thing and it was uh, it was pretty good I, I thought at the time i liked the small scale heist adventure sort of thing that was kind of a i don't want to say a breath of fresh mm-hmm. air but it was different for marvel at the time and i wish the ant-man franchise had stayed on that track uh ant-man and the wasp i thought was a pretty big downgrade from the first one i it wasn't absolutely terrible i just thought it was kind of boring and didn't really go anywhere and it lost that fun vibe of the first one and it turned scott lang into an idiot for some reason and i just i didn't like how they handled the ant-man yeah it's weird in the second one they made for some reason they made uh well not some reason they made the wasp so cool but then for some reason, I, they thought that they had to dumb down Scott to make her even more cool. Yeah. Which would not, which is not a smart move. You could just have two cool superheroes. Like, she had an interesting arc in the first movie. She was always the more badass of the two. She had the training prowess and everything, mm-hmm. but Hank Pym just didn't want her in the field. 
that was always the story all along. But Scott was always pretty competent too. With uh, you know, he was a he was a good thief. He could think quick on his feet, like that scene when he breaks into Hank Pym's mansion. That was the test to prove he was worthy for the suit. He was not a genius by any means, like Hank Pym or the Van Dynes, but he was always smart enough. And then Ant Man too. It's like why why are you even here? You're you're so dumb. And <laughs> there's. A little bit of complaints. I'll get into that for uh, when we get to Quantumania, because they kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Quantumania, I wasn't really a fan of Ant Man and the Wasp. So Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I was kind of like, all right, the trailers make it look like, okay, this is going to be a really interesting alien. Makes it look like something, huh? Yeah, it's like it's going to be an alien <laughs> world where you know Kang's going to be the uh, the villain. So let's first movie of Phase Five. Let's see if it can kick things off right, right? Uh, it didn't. But let's get to our close-up and break that down a little bit. So Yeah. You want to start? Well, it's just like... Listen, this is getting review bombed so bad, and it's tied right now with Eternals, with one of the worst-reviewed MCU movies. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it lived up to the hype of what Marvel was trying to hype it up as, specifically because of how they treat Kane in the end, and we'll get to that later on. But, you know, I I went into this movie with the lowest of low expectations because of how Marvel has just been the last couple years with some of their movies. And I, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with some of the visuals and... um especially with some of the jokes, like some of them were actually funny, you know? What would you, what do you do when you cast an actual comedian in your lead role? Oh, he actually knows how to be funny. But uh, with every criticism that I've heard from this movie, I 100% agree with. It's it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. But I still, I still enjoyed it. I still had fun watching, you know, parts of it. But there's a, other parts of it where I was just like, you could have done so much more to kick off Phase 5 to really showcase who Kane is. I mean, they do showcase who Kane is, but just what happens to him afterwards is not great. I will say, though, Jonathan Majors is phenomenal. They could not have picked a better actor to portray the next big bad after Thanos. He's going to have an amazing time in this universe. I he, He's so versatile. I can't wait to see him in other Marvel projects. But yeah, that's basically, that, I, that's basically it. I walked out. I, I, I forgot to suggest to you, but I was going to suggest we just start off with this podcast just going, <sighs> just kind of like that, because that was my experience walking out, just kind of like, okay, here this, this was another Marvel movie. I'm going to sound pretty bad for saying this, but I was already kind of checked out from the opening credits. And I'll tell you why. So the Marvel Studios... Because there's no Michael Pena? Well, I'll get to that too. I didn't... I have some opinions on that. But uh, the Marvel Studios logo comes on, the classic fanfare, and they're going through all the characters in the logo, and things are going okay for maybe the first second. And then I realized that all the characters... The majority of characters in the Marvel Studios opening logo are the legacy replacement heroes from Phase 4. The majority at mm. this point. 
And immediately, just from the opening logos, I was like, my universe is come and gone, and what am I still here for? <laughs> I'm like, I don't really care about Ant-Man. Almost none of my favorite heroes are featured in the Marvel Studios opening logo anymore, for gosh sake. So, I'm like, am I, I haven't really liked Phase 4, and this is just throwing it right in my face up top, how much I'm uninvested in this universe nowadays. And the movie itself never really pulled me back from that. It just made it worse. Mm. If anything, this movie basically single-handedly made me lose faith in the whole franchise. I was already very, very low on it. You were on edge. Most of, like, I used to be a Marvel fan. You, you wouldn't know it listening to just this podcast in the last year. But most of the stuff I've seen in the last year that I've talked about on this podcast is stuff I just don't happen to like. I'll rave about the old Marvel stuff all day, you know. I can do that all day. Because I like that. References. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But, nice. uh... Yeah, but Phase 4 was a huge drop for me. And, you know, if this is how Phase 5 is going to start, Marvel's in a rocky waters. Mm-hmm. I think the ship's already got and if- holes in it. They're already sinking. Like, it's... And if you disagree with us that they're sinking, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, has has dropped 69% in terms of box office in its second weekend. It's only made $32 million in its second domestic weekend. That's bad. That's not good. <laughs> We're critics, you know. We, we have our ways we talk about movies. Maybe you'll think, oh, you're egotistical, out of touch, whatever. You went to film school, you're so high and mighty about your criticisms, but, you know, that's general audiences All talking. True. That's Yeah. That's general <laughs> audiences talking. That's 69% drop. That's just not us critics who are whining about this. And yeah. I think money's starting to speak. People in general think that Endgame was the natural ending for this universe, and they haven't really been that impressed with Me. the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. I just... I knew they were in trouble when they said... Oh, and Endgame's not the end of our Infinity Saga. No Way Home is. And I was like, no. Okay. And then you watch No Way Home, and you're like, oh, this is just a really long epilogue. <laughs> That's what No Way Home kind of is, if you think about it. Yeah. But yeah. So this is where we're at right now. The last couple of years, they've had way more misses than hits in the wider mm-hmm. public consciousness, and in my mind as well. They're... Old heroes that they've had from the start, the people I grew up with that I I grew to love, like Captain America and Iron Man, they're all dead or retired. And the new legacy heroes that they're bringing up aren't doing anything for me. I don't care about Sam Wilson's Captain America or Jennifer Walters or um, who, who else, or Shuri as Black Panther. The movie did help me come around on her a little bit, but I, I still don't mm. care. Uh, who, who else are they bringing in? I don't, I don't really like... Haley Steinfeld? Haley Steinfeld was okay. O- she, she was okay. I don't really care for... Like, Yelena's okay as well as Black Widow Yelena. replacement. But, like, all these replacements are just B-rate replacements for, mm. let's be honest, B-rate characters at the time. When Marvel started off this universe with... Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man, these were not the A-listers, and now we're getting the B-list replacements for them. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
I mean, yeah, to be fair, the they only have, thing we're, they got X-Men. We're only holding out hope. Yeah. We're only holding out, yeah, I was about to say, we're only holding out hope, hope that uh, in Secret Wars or Kane Dynasty, that we just see the X-Men. <laughs> we just see the X-Men in those movies. You know what? Screw it. If I'm okay if they're all in Deadpool 3, because I hope that that movie's going to mm-hmm. do its own thing anyway. Maybe even close out the Fox universe with the ending it always deserved, because New Mutants wasn't it, I'll tell you. Or Dark Phoenix. Like, give that... Did they try to close it out with New Mutants? I didn't watch it at all. New Mutants and Dark Phoenix were kind of the close of that universe, but, like, we all know it really should have right. ended at Logan. But, yeah. <laughs> like, that was the natural ending for that universe, and then they kind of kept going because they had more in the can. But you know what? I hope Deadpool 3 can close it out well. Mm-hmm. But what's my point? Yeah, I'm just not interested in anything they've got going. Like I said, all my favorites are retired, and anyone left, I'm like, well, I don't really like how you've turned Thor. He was one of the originals. I really liked him. I don't like what you've been doing within the last couple years. Um, the comedic Thor is not for me, at least not it's the not overly comedic one. Uh, I don't like how you handle Banner either. I, I don't, I never was a fan of the Hulk, but I don't like Professor Hulk. I've never, uh, who, who else are they ruining? I didn't like Multiverse of Madness. You, you screwed up Scarlet Witch in there too. So mm-hmm. like Dr. Strange, I mean, Hawkeye Wanda, is kind Hawkeye of the same. Is, He's just half death. Yeah. Hawkeye, they did okay with, but like anyone who's left, I'm not really uh, Spider-Man. I, I, I like mm-hmm. so far and I'm excited for more. Shang-Chi was okay. Uh, like there's been a couple that I'm like, okay, but I don't feel strongly about anything. You're not hyped about it yet. Nothing. In this movie, it was just, feels like the most going through the motions I've ever felt going through a Marvel movie. Like I said, I was kind of down on it just from the opening logos. Mm-hmm. And I never really rose up from there. The whole movie, I was just watching it. And I'm like, I'm not even excited for anything that's happening. I'm mostly just bored. It's the most... barely entertainment. Yeah. It's the most bl- it's the most Marvel movie to ever be a Marvel movie where they literally were just like it's almost like an AI wrote it where they calculated the Marvel formula and then put the Ant-Man characters in the name and then they just hit click and then someone in the writers room changed a bunch of lines to do Kane cuz actually Kane was written well. The fact that they chose She-Hulk told us that's what they were doing. You know, we should have believed her. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, why do we bring up She-Hulk in every podcast? <laughs> Maybe we do like it. Anyway. I, um, I started to come around they, on liking it a little bit at the end. Like, it wasn't good, but I was starting to be entertained by it. Yeah. But that's separate. The fact that they chose to introduce Kang, the Conqueror, I mean, not he who remains in Loki, like Kang the Conqueror, that variant in in an Ant-Man movie is both ballsy and stupid. I don't, I don't, I couldn't think of a less interesting character to introduce him through. Not to say, like, Ant-Man put up his fight here, but we'll ask any comic fan out there. Kane would have literally destroyed Ant-Man in any of this, and he's literally only saved because the writer wanted him, wanted Ant-Man to live at the end. Not because of, because this, this is what pisses me off. I'm going to say it. We're going to cut this the chase me off Because I got this movie. I think we yeah. both have a rant on the same thing here. This is it. This is the guy 
who's supposed to be the conqueror. This is the all-powerful one. This is the variant. He's got the costume. He's got the face. He's got the powers. And he's beating, he's, he's beat by the second lowest tier Avenger. That doesn't make any, this is the guy. I don't care about the post credit scene with all the other canes because they don't interest me at all. Like the Pharaoh cane and then the other weird looking cane, who are, which Jonathan Major is going to have to keep track of all the voices he's fucking doing. But even if you introduce a different cane, the Conqueror, okay? That just puts the stakes so low. that It just doesn't make... Like, this is supposed to be the guy. He was intimidating. He was stoic. If you wanted to kick off Phase 5 right, you either kill off Ant-Man and, or the Wasp, either one of them, or you leave them trapped in the Quantum Realm, uh, realm and then the literally the final shot is Kane on Earth just staring out into the open sea, and then it cuts to black. That's what I thought they are going to do. Just be like, okay, they're going to be ballsy. Nope. It just ends. I mean, it does end like a little bit of like, hmm, maybe everything won't be all right. Ah, whatever. But it's treated as a joke. So that's what pissed me off is that they did the same. They keep doing the same thing where they introduce a like mega level villain and they kill him off in the same movie. You know what? They did that twice in this movie with two different villains. They did MODOK. You know, Modoc's going to be a whole different know, rant later. I got to go on to this topic, too, because... Look at that face. I'll get to it. Face. I'll get to it. I want to go... I want to double back to Kang in this ending. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> Modoc's going to take up a solid 20 <laughs> minutes of this. I got to talk about my thing. Look him in the eye! <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm really trying not to. <laughs> If the point was to make him look ugly, it's still bad. Anyway, sorry. You, you go on your rant. This is a very rare thing, I'll say, for most movies. I tend to be a, a purist in the way I treat my heroes. I tend to like, you know, good triumphing over evil in the end. I, I like, I don't like meaningless sacrifices in things that are just trying mm-hmm. to pull at your heartstrings just for no good reason i'm gonna call out something like and we i went on this rant already like like wakanda forever again like you didn't need to kill off t'challa off screen that felt manipulative to me and i went on a whole rant about that on the black panther episode but this is one of those rare instances where i'm like i don't mind if ant-man died in this movie in fact i Mm -hmm. outright wanted them to kill off ant-man by the end of this movie And I'll tell you why. Because this is phase five. This is the very beginning. They're going against the villain who's supposed to carry us through, the replacement Thanos. And that ending was the most emotion I felt in the movie when Kang and Scott Lang are going one-on-one at the end. And it was beating the shit out of them. It was bloody. It was raw. This was one of the most investing hero versus villain fights one-on-one I've seen in years, personally. And it was the only moment of the movie that actually roused me. I knew Ant-Man didn't really stand a chance against Kang because Kang's been built up as this badass the whole time. I know he's going to be the main guy going into Phase 5. That's fine. But the way that movie, Quantumania, was setting up the ending, I thought, you know what? This is a good death for Scott Lang. He's going to go out stopping Kang from getting into the, you know, into the the real world, out of the quantum realm. He's going to actually have a meaningful sacrifice here. 
and we know Kang's probably going to get out anyway and wreak his havoc. But if Scott died so that the other Avengers could have been bought some time, maybe Hope and Cassie and Hank and Janet will warn everybody, and Scott's death will have meant something, or at the very least, when Hope came back to help him out, they get trapped in the quantum realm altogether, but Kang didn't escape either. That would have been fine too. It's the lack of consequence that really gets me. You go through this whole movie only for the status quo mm-hmm. to be basically the exact same, except Scott has a feeling something might not be. Except he has PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good enough. Because they're never going to address it again. You know that. At this no. point in the MCU. They will never address it again. Okay, yeah. You know, early, 10 years ago, sure, Tony Stark threw a, a missile up the wormhole and had PTSD in Iron Man 3. We're past that Marvel. Scott Lang's mm-hmm. traumatic stress is never going to be mentioned again. Ever. Yeah. So you, that's like a kind of consequence, but it's, it's not going to be relevant at all. It's like, it's so weird. Ant-Man needed to die at the end of this movie for it to matter. And it just doesn't. Yeah. You had the the tee-up for a perfect ending. And you blew it. Mm -hmm. I preach all the time about how I love how this universe is really well-connected, or was really well-connected, and continued stories, or even one-off stories, you can tell they're connected throughout the universe. But since Phase 4 started, there's you cannot tell there's connection. What was supposed to happen when He Who Remains dies, right? It was supposed to cause, like, chaos throughout the multiverse. We have still not seen the effects of that. We haven't seen the repercussions of that. We only have, keep seeing these one-off stories. And even, like, even in Eternals, no one's talked about that there's a celestial poking out of the Earth. No one's talked about that. And yeah, maybe it was in She-Hulk, you could look in the details, it was on the news site, like, title. That's not good enough. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, it feels connected, but so disconnected. Like, it just feels like they don't really care that much anymore. And the funny thing is, I've been an advocate for DC for a very long time, saying I really respect their individual stories. But Marvel doesn't even have that. Because Marvel's dropping the ball on their overall connective tissue. And their standalone stories aren't very good either, is the problem. I can't even look at most of the stuff they've done and be like, you know what? It didn't connect to the universe very well. It didn't build up Phase 4 in any meaningful way. But you know what? That was a good movie in its own right. I'll, I'll give you props for that. There isn't much of that, I can say, for the last few years. I can't look at yeah. something like Black Widow and be like, all I can think of when I look at something like Black Widow is this movie should have come out five years ago. It's not that good a movie. It's set so long ago that it doesn't even have anything to do with modern day, except you set up Yelena, kind of, for a story that probably won't happen till phase five or six, with her and the, uh, what do you call them, the um, Dark Avengers or whatever it's going to be, with John Walker and Red Hulk and whatever. So yeah, their connective tissue is bad, and their content's not good enough to cushion that Mm -hmm. blow. And Ant-Man is one of the, I don't know, I, I came out of the theater kind of mid on it originally. I was like, you know what, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that bad, it's a movie. And now I, the more I pondered it, the more I'm like, no, this movie's bad. 
like, why do we keep letting Marvel get away with this? If I was not a, a diehard Marvel fan who went to see pretty much everything, I would never have gone to see this movie just based on word of mouth mm-hmm. or even the marketing trying to sell me on it. I just go to Marvel movies at this point because of habit. I've seen every Marvel movie since 2008 in theaters, I think. I don't think I missed a single one in theaters. And like I said, from the opening credits, I'm like, why am I still here? And you're not selling me enough anymore to keep me here. And like, there's going to come a time where I'm just waiting for the day where I don't go to see the Marvel movie in theaters. And that'll be a big one for me because I'm okay. Willing, I'm already willing to skip the Disney Plus shows and whatnot. I skipped uh, Ms. Marvel and maybe one of the one of the two of the other ones. But uh, the moment I don't go see a movie of Marvels anymore, that's yeah. I I, I don't even know what. <laughs> I can't imagine that world right now, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm starting to be able to, and that's scary for me as a longtime fan of this franchise, and it makes me sad, really. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad, because we are, for much shit talking we're doing right now, we are Marvel fans. Like, we love this franchise. We don't want to see it, it fail. since 2008. No, it's like seeing, like, your best friend or, like, a mentor of yours who you like spent your entire childhood with growing up and you're just slowly watching them like succumb to dementia and it's just becoming like because they're telling the same story over and over again but they're changing the details with it but you know for how much shit talking we're giving marvel right now i will give them this that with how much they're not writing their like old characters well when they introduce a new character they do make them interesting enough where I'm like, okay, I can see you creating stories around this character. Like, Yelena with Florence Pugh is, I think she's pretty good. Jonathan Majors, I think, is, like, I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, I think, is good. I shat on Miss Marvel. I don't think it's a good show, but the actress is really, really good. She's entertaining enough. I'm going to counterpoint you. I don't think they introduce their good character, their new characters very well at all. I just think they lucked out hiring charismatic actors who mm. I like the actors more than the characters. Is Kang really written that well? Is uh, Kate Bishop really written that well? Is Ms. Marvel really written that well? I don't know if they are, but I know their actors are charismatic and I want to see, or Florence Pugh as well. I, I know I want to see more of them, but it's, it's more because the actors than their stories thus far that I've seen. Like their, their writing isn't that good. <laughs> Um, but I would argue Kane is written pretty decently. But that's the only time in this movie where they tried. Yeah, you want to talk no. about Kang, or do you <laughs> want to talk about something else? Uh, how do you feel about the recasting of the uh of Child Ant Ant Child? Was she Cassie. the one? Uh, was she the one Peanut in Endgame? Or nope, no, they recast that different one. different actress. They recast her. Well, shows how much I noticed, so I, I don't... Mm. And uh, that that actress that actress didn't find out until um, the trailer for Ant-Man came out, I think. Like, she had to find out online. Which happens a lot to uh, some recasting. They don't find out until, like, Twitter, which sucks. Oh, that, man. That's, the fact that's... that they don't get, like, a phone call is really bad. I think, um, let's talk about the... Apparently, a lot of people are saying Michael Douglas's 90% of his lines just involve the word ant. Yeah. He just says ants a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And some people said like they didn't like his performance, but I think he tried. No, you know <laughs> he what? He tried no. his best. I didn't like his what performance. he was given. I didn't really like anyone's performance in this movie, to be honest. Except, really, Jonathan Majors. I liked uh, Catherine Newton. How about Michelle Pfeiffer? Jonathan Majors, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Catherine Newton. I think were the only ones that were trying. Mm-hmm. I think everybody else in this movie phoned it in hard. Because what were they having yeah. to work with, really? Like, well, they also nothing. left Evangeline Lilly in the dust for a movie called Ant Man and the Wasp. The Wasp had she maybe got, got she may had two action scenes, which that's just sad. I have the same complaint with both Hope and Scott Lang, is that they're both very reactive characters in this movie. They don't actually make any decisions of their own. They just sort of get sucked along for the plot and just do whatever they're told to, and anything they do actually do is coerced like scott doesn't Mm -hmm. make the decision to go into that um what was it called paradox storm or um sure the machine orb the uh future orb yeah the thing the the big thing i had a big ball but i've lost it in my notes yeah he doesn't go into there because he wants to he does it because jonathan majors uh kang uh, said he was going to kill Cat. Threatens to kill his daughter, yeah. Hope kind of just reacts to things when there's danger around. And you know what pissed me off the most about Hope's story? Is that they had a... She had a story? She had, nearly had a, a compelling one, actually. And it bothered me that they didn't mention it at all. Was that Janet Van Dyne didn't tell anybody about Kang and what she did in the Quantum Realm for 20 years. And when they get to the Quantum Realm, Hope seems... Kind of pissed off at Janet. Like, are are you going to tell us anything now? And Janet's still like, no. And Hope seems a little bit, okay, well, why aren't you telling us this? You could have maybe prevented this. I'm, uh, you know, sorry, Mom, but I'm not very happy with you right now. And then they basically just drop that entirely. Janet just gets away with her lies. Yeah. And Hope forgives her off screen, basically. And kind of just goes with the flow of the adventure, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, they nearly made it. Yeah, she just kind of gets... And Evangeline she, Lily, yeah, I think, was gets, playing it that way. Was, she gets away with it. Evangeline Lily is actually acting like that's her subtext. And I think Evangeline Lily knows that was the good story, but I don't think anybody but Evangeline Lily cared enough about Wasp to, to do it, to actually go Which with it. Which is pretty sad. Because she's an awesome character. And the only reason I even caught that story was because I was paying attention to her acting. I could see that's kind of mm-hmm. how she was trying to play it. And I'm like, thanks for trying to do something, at least. Yeah. So that bothers me. Why is Bill Murray in this movie? No reason. <laughs> Why is he here? Is it for a sex joke with Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> is that really it? He's literally in it for one scene. And I was so confused because he was like, oh, we're nothing like you humans. You look like a human. At least dye his skin blue in the edit or something to make him not look human. I don't know. The Quantum Realm is so weird. I think it's got like a decent design, but really just feels like they're in the volume for most of it. Yeah. My problem with it was a lot of it looked great and a lot of it looked terrible. You know what I mean? Like there were some shots where you're looking at it and I'm actually kind of in awe. I'm like, oh, wow, these are... Mm-hmm. This is really well designed. There's a lot. It feels like its own. And then some is just so basic. 
it feels like a very unique world, like all the, the, the plants and organic life and uh, like the organic and technological kind of mixing together. It feels anachronistic. Is it futuristic, old technology? Is it like ancient ruins with future technology or just modern life with aliens in it? it like there was a lot of weird time stuff in there as well. Like time had no meaning. The aliens were uh were pretty cool designs too the environments that were unique as well like this was a really cool world to go into is the thing and it disappointed me that they didn't there wasn't really a lot to do with it except kind of just it felt like avatar in some ways you know just go around and explore the world yeah look at pretty things but it just wasn't as like there wasn't enough passion behind it by people who cared like james cameron knew how to make pandora look beautiful Whoever made this movie sometimes made the quantum realm look nice. I, I saw the director of photography was Bill Pope, and I know he's he's got a great history. You know, he did films like uh, like The Matrix um, and the oh and the original Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. So, like, I know he's got a great track record, but um, and I think a lot of the shots look great. But then there was the ones, like I was saying, the comp work was terrible. Sometimes I was looking at them and I'm like, you're clearly standing in front of a green screen. That look, like, There's no depth to this image whatsoever. It's like you just slapped a picture on top and it wasn't like it was a rush job, not even a well-rendered picture. I'm like, the lighting was a little off too. I'm like, what? What is this? This is some of the cheapest effects work I've ever seen for Marvel at some points. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert. Why is it when Ant-Man gets really big? And this was a problem in Ant-Man and the Wasp as well back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And also, Baby Ant. They haven't given her a name yet, so I'm just going <laughs> to call her, like, <laughs> whatever I want. Baby Ant, she also gets really big. They're allowed to take off their helmets and still be that size. Isn't the whole point of them getting really small or really big is because their entire body is in a suit? It's like they don't even know their own rules. You know, it did bug me at the end that Cassie made herself into a giant as well, and she didn't black out like Scott did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just perfect. She's just a perfect character. She's got no flaws. I did think of a possible defense to that. Possible, but it's a little nitpicky. Is I'm like, Oh, well, Scott blacked out because he was his regular size and went huge, but they're super tiny and she's just growing bigger. Really? So she looks huge that's relatively? Lazy. I know. Yeah, that's lazy. It's nitpicky, but... Not saying that what you're saying is lazy, but, like, the defense of that is a bit lazy. I had to go through I, I saw a great video to, to make that defense. Yeah. I saw a great video where someone's saying that the um, nanotech is destroying the amazement of seeing a superhero in a suit the fact these suits are just able to come out of nowhere and the when iron man did it was pretty cool but now literally everybody's doing it thor did it with his helmet ant-man's doing it with his little pym tech stuff i hope the guardians don't do it in their movie which comes out in may which i'm actually a little excited for that oh i'm very excited Um, for guardians because i trust because they never marvel studios never really screwed (laughs) with james gunn it seems like so he's just telling his movie, his story, the way he wanted to do it, mm-hmm. how it seems to me. So it seems like a very filmmaker-driven movie rather than a studio mm-hmm. project. So 
It's almost like if you give a director, it's almost like if you give a director full reign, he will be able to show his vision without it seeming basic, for better or worse. Yeah. But you know, at least he fucking shows it. Not that a director's vision is always 100% the best way to go at all times, but when the studio so gets too involved, it feels too soulless. Mm-hmm. What were we saying about Cassie? Uh, yeah. So you said she has no flaws. I think the problem is she does have flaws. She's a she's a know-it-all. She's smug and she's idealistic to a fault. Basically most teenagers. But the problem is that the script doesn't act like she's at fault. And I, I notice this problem so much in so, yeah. mu- in so much media nowadays where if you're looking, these characters are very clearly flawed, but the script doesn't ever act like they're flawed. Well, she's Gen Z, Joe, and Gen Z's not allowed to be wrong. I'm Gen Z. They're going to call me on everything. Look at the comments oh, section no. of our videos. We're going to get called on so much. We, we don't get away with anything. It's just movie characters who are young get away with stuff. I can't read. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. This, so the script is the problem. The script is... Like, it's not that she's not flawed, but the script doesn't act like her flaws are flaws. She mm-hmm. just kind of sucks, but nobody says so. Especially Scott, who bends over backwards for her every, every scene. She's being really mean to him, like at the start. Oh, you, you saved the world, but that's not good enough because there's still homeless people. And he's just like, I don't even know what to say to this. He's like, I can't even, like, I can't even, what, what, what do you want me to do to, yeah, like... I don't, and I think Paul Rudd tries to have chemistry with her, but it's just tough. It's not the same know? as where it's when like, she was little. It's not the same. It's not the same where in that scene where I almost cried where they reunited in Endgame. Yeah. It's a very touching moment. I was, I was taken aback immediately when her introduction is getting released out of jail. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. shocking. Little, little Cassie Lang is in, you know, a jailbird mm. now. Like, that's... I was like, we're we're doing this? <laughs> That's weird. Like, they said it was for activistic yeah. reasons, which is, I guess, supposed to make us sympathetic, but she's, I don't know, she's mm-hmm. telling off cops, telling off her dad, clearly sticking it to authority, making really dangerous weapons in the basement. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that stuff kind of worked on Tony Stark, but he had the charm to pull it off. <laughs> and the money. And the money. Like, and people called him out. And- is Marvel trying to say activism is bad? Yeah, but also people <laughs> were always calling Tony Stark out on his bullshit. Always. Like Pepper Potts yeah. from the very beginning, uh, Rhodey. Like Tony did all these things, but they were acknowledged as flaws. Uh, even from the very mm-hmm. beginning. Like his ego was a problem. Cassie is just like, oh, well, of course she's right for believing in these things. And presenting herself the way she does. Also, I don't like... How they're making Cassie a genius level intellect. I hate that all these new phase four characters. All are... the children are geniuses. Yeah. I was thinking, remember back in the days of the Avengers, the very, the very first Avengers movie, where the only smart people in the room were Stark Hold and on. Banner? I have to. Uh, like Captain America's smart, Nick, like Nick Fury's smart, whatever. But the only two geniuses in the room were Stark and Banner on that whole team. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was at least, like, like they had their skills, they were good fighters, but, like, they were at least average intelligence. Now everybody's a They genius. shared a blueberry snack. Yeah. 
And that's one of my favorite things about Scott Lang from the original Ant-Man, was that he felt even more like an everyman than the rest. They dumbed him down a little too much in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, as we already said. I think they, he wasn't as dumb in this movie, thankfully. He was, you know, more back to the Scott Lang I know and love. Mm-hmm. I just don't like how... But he still looked dumb compared to the Pym Van Dyne family, who are just all geniuses, apparently, and even his own daughter. Mm-hmm. And you know one thing that made it stand out even more? All this what? super genius stuff? Is that they cut out all the other cast. They cut out Michael Pena, they cut out Scott's ex-wife, they cut out uh, her, uh, her husband, too. They cut out what made the Ant-Man movie special was this was, once again, smaller-scale Marvel. It was more average people. And then you had, you know, Hope Van Dyne and Hank Pym and Janet, you know, these really smart people. They were in there. But the Ant-Man franchise was based around these characters of more average intelligence. And then you just jettison basically all the supporting cast and replace them with these unrelatable geniuses. Of course, we're not going to connect as much to these people if they're pretty much the only ones we're following. Scott Lang is the only one that I'm like, you know, you're being shat on at every opportunity in this movie, but you're the only one making reasonable calls that I can comprehend and be like, yeah, I see how you got there. Why is everyone else doing what they're doing? There's too many ant people. <laughs> well, that's like way too many. Like, and, and they're all and they're all capable of like traversing the quantum realm. You put in Michael Pena, who's just like he's got he has no idea what to do. You, there's some good comedy there, and there's not there's like actual stakes because you gotta protect this idiot running around, and it's just like that's what Cassie was I supposed know, to be, man. but she wasn't. Scott was worrying about her the whole time, but she can clearly handle mm-hmm. herself, so there's no stakes. We're like, yeah, we. Yeah. I feel for Scott caring about Cassie. That's great. A father caring about his daughter is a really nice a really nice hook. It's kind of a family story. I get that. We I'm attached to them from the last few movies. Like their relationship has always been really cute. But she's not actually really in danger, so it's not like all your investment kind of goes out the window there because he just looks over protective. Hey, remember, remember when Kane shot at the people and they died instantly, and then he starts shooting at Ant Man and then he's fine. Yeah. Okay. Is it because he's bigger? There's no explanation for that. Whatever. I have zero idea. Let's let's end this off by talking about Modoc, which is a, a negative, and then Do we have to Kane, which is a positive. Poor poor <laughs> What is his face? I'm gonna pull it up again. I got it. I'm gonna make you I'm gonna make you look at it. <laughs> look at his stupid face. Look at it. <laughs> you know what I thought when I saw Modoc for the first time in this movie? Poor Corey Stahl. Do you remember Sharkboy and Lava Girl? Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Do you remember the bad guy at the end of Sharkboy (laughs) and Lava Girl? The CGI on MODOK, (laughs) about 18 years later, looks as good as Sharkboy and Lava Girl did circa 2005. It's that Even his mask looks dumb. Yep. You hear me complain about Marvel CGI all the time. Do you see it now? (laughs) Please tell me, Modoc, you finally no, see I it. I see that. I see it. And like, if the point was for it to make it look bad, no. <laughs> Why would Stop you make it. that the point? Everything else in the movie looks if you're gonna decent. Go, 
if you're gonna go that route, make him sort of, you can make him CG, but also kind of add like a little bit of animation twist to it. Because in the comics, he's supposed to have like a little bit tough of hair. And I'm pretty sure the face is supposed to be like a giant, but like flat one. His is like really wide, man. It's ridiculous. And good on Corey Stahl for trying his best for returning from the first Ant-Man and, you know, becoming another iconic villain. But I was pleased to see him at the first when they first revealed who it was. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I knew he, someone spoiled it, I knew he was in it. Okay, yeah. I didn't at all. I'm like, I, uh, maybe it's a little derivative of, Re- of Red Skull showing back up from uh, Endgame or whatever. Oh, the old villain from the first movie shows back up in a different context. Okay, I've seen that in the MCU before, but I liked seeing it back in Ant-Man 3. It kind of tied some stuff up. I've never been a huge fan of MODOK. I don't really know much about the character. I don't think that goofy thing is... He's not this. <laughs> I feel like Modoc always has been a little bit goofy, but this is like Love and Thunder levels of goofy. You know? It's sad when the Avengers video game does Modoc better than actual Marvel. Yeah. And they did it terrible in the game, and they didn't do it better here. What does Modoc stand for again? Mechanized organism designed only for killing. Can't even kill a teenager. And he turns immediately and she calls him a dick because of hurt feelings. Hurt feelings defeat him. He's like, I'm an Avenger now. It's like, no. Stop. We did this joke. (laughs) We did this joke a couple movies ago. Can we not? It was just an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, there's, there's a somber music when he's dying too and then he dies. I'm just like, no. I feel nothing. <laughs> I don't care about this heel turn, and I don't care about this death. You know what? Modoc is the apex of this problem, but this movie just wasn't funny. It was trying so hard to be funny, but I, I don't know if I laughed more than a couple times the whole time. They were... No. They were really going for it, but pretty much every joke fell flat. Even like you said, you were just talking earlier. Paul Rudd's a talented comedian. I don't know if much of what he said even made me laugh either. No. I laughed more than in Love and Thunder, and maybe more, by more, I mean like two times. Love and Thunder was funny, it just wasn't a good story. Like, it's got a lot of funny jokes in it, but the whole movie is just jokes, not really a story. So it, That's what makes it less funny, though. Yeah. Like, if everybody's funny, no one's funny. Yeah. Well, that's just Marvel in general now. Everybody's gotta be funny. Except Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan uh. Majors. And they were my favorites in this movie because they were actually this a little me so serious. That Michelle, that Michelle Pfeiffer shows up in the Flash movie, but I don't think she will because of oh right some reasons. I don't know. Right. I'm like, what does Michelle Pfeiffer have to do with the Flash movie? Oh. Joe hasn't seen the Flash trailer. No, I saw, and I saw it. Because it played best. before. Oh, you did? Oh, I'm sorry. Because it played before Ant-Man. So. Well, then we'll talk about it after. Not in this episode, but because I'm hyped. Anyway. I wasn't planning on seeing it, but whatever. Now we have to because of what's in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll anyway. point. Michelle Pfeiffer, Jonathan Majors, they're the only ones in this movie taking themselves kind of seriously. And I'm like, this feels more like the Marvel I remember. More of these two, please. Mm-hmm. That flashback sequence was entirely useless. Terrible. Don't even... Like, the movie could have gone without it. It was just a big exposition dump scene for nothing. It accomplished nothing. But I like these two together. 
because uh, you're actually doing something. So thanks yeah. for that. You're not just making jokes every two seconds. You actually have some gravitas. You're mm-hmm. kind of moving the plot along. Somewhat interesting backstory. I'm more interested in the lore than the execution, but... Jonathan Majors. His face. He can, like, work every muscle in his face. It's the same uh, acting technique kind of that Andy Serkis has and Amelia Clark has, where... He just is able to convey a series of emotions <clears throat> through a single thought. And I wish the line where he says, you're an Avenger, have I killed you before, added more meaning to me because it was spoiled in a trailer at Comic-Con and everyone kept fucking talking about it. That was one of the best yeah. lines. Like, which, which one yeah, are you? Yeah, it was they, in the trailer. For- together. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Uh, but apparently it was in the trailer for Comic-Con, and then they took it out for the main trailer. Because I follow a guy who went to the Comic-Con, and then he talked about it. But, yeah, it's, he's, he's really, he's really good. And I was hyped to see this version of Kane destroying these children Avengers. I was so hyped for it. And then they just do the fucking... A villain gets sucked into a black hole, even a small quantum well realm, and I was like, "Oh, maybe this variant will come back." You know, he'll get out of that technology somehow. Nope. They specifically said in the end credit scene, if people didn't stay for that, they say, "So the exiled one is dead." So this version of Kane is gone. But then the post-post credit scene kind of implied he might be alive after all in Loki. Just. But, like, again, that's not, that's, that that has no meaning to me because, okay, if there's a second Kane the Conqueror, then there's a second Scarlet Witch, then there's a second She-Hulk, you know, there's no, there's no stakes, really. Well, that if, went out the window if, the moment do, they the, introduced multiverse. Yeah. yeah. And I can see that point, but if they just, if they're doing that, it's kind of just... That's why I never liked multiverse in the first place. As soon as they were going there, I'm like... No. Yeah, I get why you're doing this. It's a big comic thing, but I'm like, like I don't like it in the comics either. I mean, I sometimes it's no. okay. sometimes it's fun in like in concept, but like it ruins the stakes. It makes it way too multiverse confusing. is fun when it's different. Like say Spider Man, there's the Miles Morales uh, other universe. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, what I'll say, multiverse is good when you're telling alternate stories. Like that, like that's an example right there. Into the Spider Verse. Like, that's a fun... Logan. Like, that's a... Yeah, those are good alternate takes, but it's when they start bleeding together in the in the big stories, that's where mm-hmm. the problems come. Like, Marvel is building their whole thing around the multiverse. They're not just using it to be like, oh, let's tell uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man on a Disney Plus show, which I still advocate for, by the way. That's a good use I of the multiverse. That's a good use for the multiverse. Different versions of the characters we love on different worlds doing different things. That's fine. But when they all have to cross over all the time, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's interesting, but... And it's disappointing about how they handled this version of Kang, because I thought there was solid build-up to him. The whole movie, everyone's talking about how badass he is, how scary he is, and I'm like, ooh, I'm actually excited to see this guy. And he lived up, because Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. is a great performer, and I'm excited to see him in Creed uh, next week. Yep. He's going to have a good few months. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, 
Have you have you seen that uh that Vanity Fair issue, where on the cover it's got like all the young Hollywood stars and Jonathan Majors is on it? No, I haven't seen that one. Let me let me let me pull up who's on the Vanity Fair. Uh, da, 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 da. Vanity Fair. Oh, I I what am I doing? I had it saved on my phone. Stupid Ryan, stupid. Where is it? Shit. You say something while I try to find it. Uh, so another thing that bugged me about this movie is that everything was too easy. Uh, yeah. They never really faced any challenge. I noticed this specifically for like the fifth time somebody escaped from, from guards in captivity. They just like beat up the guards and get away. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this happened multiple times already. And there was never really a challenge just for any of you. Faceless guards. Yeah, faceless like guards. Like, they're, they're nobody. Or Bill Murray. They escaped from him, too. Or He's in one scene. Why is he there? Yeah. Or Kang himself. Uh, like, everybody just escapes. That final fight when they're getting into the, um, in the Kang's complex, there was never really any problems in there. Even that one guy no. who's like, oh, I don't have holes, and gets all shot up, and it's nearly sad when he dies. It's like, oh, I got holes now. And then he just starts sucking everybody in. I'm like, okay, well, that was nearly a problem, and then you chose not to have that have consequences. So that whole mm-hmm. invasion and revolution thing was also way too easy. I didn't really feel any stakes from this movie at all until that 1v1 with Ant-Man and Kang in the end, which I already talked about. But, uh, yeah, it was just it was too easy. Yeah, Jonathan Majors fighting Paul Rudd. You just feel like Paul Rudd should be dead because Jonathan Majors is just so huge, and he's not. And it's not just that fact that he's a brawler, but he's able to use his like legs as well. He kicks really well. Like that one, the one scene is stuck in my brain where Jonathan Majors like bringing his leg up and smashing it onto Ant Man, and you've seen like the POV through Ant Man's mask. That's a great shot. But uh, the Vanity Fair article, like the two covers, or like the three they did, they, didn't fit, they couldn't fit them all. But it's like Selena Gomez, Jonathan Majors, Austin Butler, Anna de Armas, Florence Pugh. It's the first picture. Kiki Palmer, Aaron, Ta- Aaron Taylor Johnson, Julia Garner, Reggie Jane Page, who is in Reggie Bridgerton, Jean I think. Page, yeah. mm-hmm. Emma Corrin, Hoyeon, who I think was in Squid Game. And Jeremy Allen White, like young stars of Hollywood. Like, this is the future. Yep, they're all really good. That's what Andy Fair did. They were like, yeah, this is the future, and we're all excited about it. There's a couple names on there I don't recognize immediately, but I do like 90% of them. Mm-hmm. If you look at them, you'll be like, yeah. 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 Who's Selena Gomez? I'm kidding. You know who she is. Everyone knows who she is. Probably <laughs> the first one I ever saw from that list. Mm hmm. We're watching Selena Gomez stuff since. Disney Channel's days. Oh, yeah. Was it Waverly Place? Apparently they're doing a, uh, not her herself, but two of the actors are doing a, uh, like a podcast together, and they're talking about their time on that show. That's cool. It's the best friend and the dad. Okay. I don't know their names. That's funny. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. What else do I have to say about uh, this? Yeah, Jonathan Man. Majors tries to save this movie so much. He carries this movie so much. And I was... I think Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't get enough credit for what she does. 
Everyone talks about Jonathan no, Majors, she did but I think Michelle too. Pfeiffer's fantastic. Like, it's the two mm-hmm. of them neck and neck for me. I wasn't even as blown away by Jonathan Majors as most people, to be honest. Like, he was the best part about the movie, but even he was like, you can't save the material you've got, man. Like, you're... Like you're giving it your all. I respect you more He's than trying so hard. I'm like I respect <laughs> He's you more than so like, hard. everybody else here. <laughs> like you're, you, you got gravitas, but I'm like you, you can't save. When I see you get dominated on by him. a bunch of giant ants, <laughs> and you're supposed to be the big villain, I'm uh, like that's not your fault. But come on, technically they're small ants. I know. That's what's really funny is that like everybody's technically really small and it's like this giant like big <laughs> spectacle of a movie. I think but the problem like, is like what do I know like what do I know about Kang? I ha- I have a very rough motivation for him. Like all I really have to latch on to is Jonathan Major's performance. There's really no not much character there. He wants to conquer all the multiverse because because he got Reasons. exiled and he's bitter about it. I think they, there was original multiverse war of all those canes because yeah, and then they some viewed others as weak or something. Because yeah. he was the most powerful one remember. and they exiled him and he was bitter about it. So I think he was just trying to show off yeah. on, the, on the best cane. That line, though, where Michelle Pfeiffer is like, what are you going to do? And he just says, win. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to be a movie now. Nope. The other line I really liked was... Um, so she she asked who is Kang and he said who I need to be. I thought that was a good line too. That one stood out. I actually wrote that one down. Uh oh yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit. I have a positive thing to say. I really like the first act of the movie when Scott was just kind of hanging around doing his recap. Oh, I'm a novelist now and things are going okay. Book, yeah. Like they they spoil one of the best jokes in the movie in the trailer. Like, like thank, thank you, you Spider Man. Yeah, that was one of the funniest ones. And then later at the end, oh, you're the other bug guy. Twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. Yeah, I like the intro to it. Seeing you know Scott Lang happy mm-hmm. and thriving with his family was was nice. It sets up a good ordinary world that you want to see them return to and okay this is a nice will, happy thing before shit hits the fan i'm like you know not loving it but it was a decent beginning and then it all kind of went to crap i will admit it was a nice touching moment where michael douglas said he read his book uh yeah. i was kind of like oh i was like oh that's nice so what i'll say about this movie just in summation here is that the first act isn't amazing but it's it's a decent setup the last act I really liked till they blew the ending with no consequences. It was a decent CGI fight and like one of the best one-on-one fights I've ever seen with a hero versus villain. One of the bloodiest, most brutals in Spider-Man 1 20 years ago. That's always been probably my favorite fight for heroes versus villains oh, in the end. It's so good. And this was like very reminiscent of that. So this is one of my favorite 1v1 fights. Uh, great until they blew the consequences. And then the second act is kind of just them going through the the quantum realm and nothing really happens. It's kind of just exposition dumps and them wandering around meeting people and nothing 
who we don't care about. It's the classic screenwriting thing, right? They always say most stories for screenwriters tend to go, the writer has a good way to start the story, they got a good way to end the story, and they don't really know how to fill the middle. And this movie is textbook for that. I don't... Yeah. They, they didn't know what they were doing. Or maybe they did, and they just, like, studio politics interfered. Maybe Kevin Feige or producers were like, uh, actually, you can't do this, this, and that, because that ruins the setup for this, this, and that. You can't do this in the quantum realm, because it messes up our rules. You can't have Kang do this, because the next three projects are involving Kang, and we already have those written shots, so you can't do mm-hmm. Kang the way you wanted to do Kang. You can't kill off Paul Rudd, because he's contracted for three more movies. There's a million reasons why they maybe had to chop out everything of substance if they had any to begin with. But what it comes down to is Marvel Studios just, yeah, like this movie was just... It's a mess right now. Yeah. This movie was directionless and Marvel Studios didn't do it any favors, I bet. They're too hands-on. And here's, here's the thing. I'm excited for Guardians 3 in no way, shape, or form. Is it going to fix the mess that is going on in the multiverse saga? Right it's going to have zero to do you, with it. Zero. It's going to have zero to do with it. This movie was because supposed they to come are out Because they're their own universe, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's their own... I believe this movie, it's their own thing. with this script that it's being shot with, was supposed to release about three years ago. So mm-hmm. it's got nothing to do with the multiverse saga. And if it does, somebody forced James Gunn to throw it in. Because this was not what he was going for at the time. Mm-hmm. I always just loved the idea of Guardians 3 because James Gunn got fired from the project, got hired at DC. He's running the place now. And then Marvel was like, oh, you can come back and do the last Guardians. And he's like, thank you. That's an example of getting to have your cake and eat it too. He got everything from getting fired somehow. Yeah. And he's probably like, well, I'm I'm glad I'm out of Marvel now. I'm excited for Guardians 3, but I'm also not excited for it to be over because I have a feeling it's going to be the last really good Marvel movie to come out in the next few years. I don't know what else. I don't. The Marvels might be good. I have hopes. Still haven't seen a trailer, but uh, I still don't really have hopes because I never I didn't really like Captain Marvel. Monica Rambo yes, didn't Marvel. really Monica Rambo didn't really blow me away in um WandaVision. She was okay. And I didn't see Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. If from what I've heard, funny enough, I've seen two out of three of those characters, and Ms. Marvel is the one that excites me the most because she's the one I've heard the most positive things yeah. about. Coming I've out seen of this, it great. Like I didn't watch her show, but she's probably the one only one I'm actually gonna like in the movie at this rate. I think you'd love her. Yeah. As a character, I think you'd love her. It's like I She's said before, so like the, the actors are good. The actors are not the mm-hmm. problem here. It, it's the writing. The casting director should get an Oscar. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> or the casting They've got agency. It's casting directors Whatever. usually, but like director, they've yeah. got good people working here. They just fallen down on the on the writing, because I guess nobody really cares anymore. Marvel, the worst thing that ever happened to Marvel is that they became the biggest thing in the Hollywood, really. Mm-hmm. Back in 2008, 
when they were working with B-tier characters nobody cared about, they didn't have the rights to any characters people liked, and they were working with a, a, a burnout actor like Robert Downey Jr., everything was set up against them back then. So they actually had to try and knock it out of the park. That nobody had ever done this. The movie came out 15 years ago. Yeah, they were innovative. The deck was stacked against them. They were underdogs. It was like superheroes were kind of becoming cool, but it like superheroes weren't really cool back in 2008. People forget that. Maybe you had a you had a couple of breakout hits, but it wasn't a it wasn't a thing. Like everyone and their mother knows Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, and that's basically it in 2008. Yeah. But uh but now they're the biggest thing in Hollywood and they don't have to try anymore. So you get corporate crap. There's no heart in it. And the worst thing is I look at a movie like Quantumania and I can see where the heart nearly was. It's trying to poke through. Yeah, I can see where there were some stories poking through. You know, maybe a nice story about uh, like a, a father-daughter bonding thing like Cassie's starting to be uh, not an out-of-control teenager, but starting to get ideals different than her father's, starting to, uh, you know, go into young adulthood, grow up, move away from her father, and he's not really ready to let her go yet. And, you know, she's capable, but he can't really... Like, there's some good parallels there to the first Ant-Man, where Hank never let Hope do anything either because he was too protective of her, even though she was always capable of it. You could have played on that a little more. And that would have been a good story. Hope and Janet. Janet's really secretive. And Hope always wanted her mother back. But now she's lying to her and putting them in danger because of the lies. There was an interesting story there. Hank Pym just being a generally curious scientist in an awesomely scientific place he's never been to before. They played that up a little bit. But not really. He's more chilled out than any scientist should be when they discover a new living world. Yeah, <laughs> with different like sentient beings. Yeah, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and they like so there, there was some kernels of things there. One of the funny things about this movie, though, is I can't even tell you what it's actually about. I can tell you what the plot is, but I can't be like Ant Man is a movie about this. What would you say? I think this movie would be. Better if we both watched it while taking mushrooms. I think that's what the intention was for. Because, so, off the top of my head, I think, and I just wrote down a couple of examples here. I'm like, is the movie about a vague argument for the power of family, uh, a commentary on power dynamics among the powerful, aka, there's always somebody more badass than you. Uh, a reminder that there's no such thing as good enough, or more likely some kind of half-hearted showcase on the reverberations of choice. That one seems the most likely, especially because of that one admittedly pretty cool scene in the probability storm where all the versions of mm -hmm. Scott Lang that ever could be pretty much all come to the same conclusion like all the different possibilities of choice. There's a multiverse of Kangs out there and he's the most hardcore one. He made his choices. Janet made her choices to lie. Um, but for a movie about choice, only a couple people are really making the choices. So like, it all falls apart, but I feel like the reverberations of the choices 
for the people who actually made choices. That's what the movie's trying to really talk about. But, like, none of it's clear. I can't tell you what this movie's really about. It's like Marvel saw what Avatar did and was like, hey, we should have a movie that shows off our VFX team as well. But then they just don't try to be that unique with it or be that um, creative with the story. You know, it's just kind of like... And the visuals were solid for the most part, except for, once again, some really terrible effects. Bad comp work, MODOK, but a lot of it was some of the best I've seen in a long time. It's some of the best, some of the mm-hmm. worst I've seen from Marvel in terms of VFX in a long time. But they're so inconsistent, and that's what bothers me. Yeah, this is tough. That's about all I've got to say. It's a tough one. I don't think it's because they're both tied right now. I don't think it's worse than Eternals, but it's not that much better than Eternals. And I also don't think Eternals is the worst Marvel movie. I liked Eternals better. If only because... Yeah, if I... To me, Eternals, I, I try not to be hypocritical when I'm like, yeah, I like Zack Snyder's DC movies and I hate Eternals. I don't want to be that guy. Because it's basically a Snyder film in Marvel mm-hmm. without any of Snyder's flair. Like, it's yeah. going for very... It's still fun. I didn't like it. But it's, it's going for very... <laughs> like, I respect it, is, is the thing. I don't think it's that bad. It's mm-hmm. just kind of boring. It is basic. Yeah. And a lot of potential. But, like, the visual style is very unique in it, too, compared to other Marvel movies. Like, it looks better than a lot of them. Like, it had some cool lore to play with, but it's just... Stacked cast. Like, and I also think Chloe Zhao, once again, had a point with it. It's not, like, aimless, like Quantumania. There's a lot more Mm -hmm. going... Like, if Quantumania and Eternals both get really low scores and they're about even, I call BS on that. Because Eternals is trying way harder and succeeds a lot more at what it's trying at. Eternals actually had a message. Exactly. Which was basically, no matter who you are or what you're bound to do on this planet, you should always strive to do the right thing, no matter the consequences. Like, I'm not trying to argue Eternals is a good movie, but to equate it on the same level as Quantumania is like, okay, you're just blindly hating and missing the point. This is where actual film criticism comes into play. The fan in me can say, yeah, they're both bad. I didn't really like either of them. But the critic in me is like, no, 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 no. Eternals has way more artistic merit, at the very least. Ant-Man is a big nothing. I got, uh, there's not much I'm going to remember from this movie, or care about, going forward or right now. It's just, like, don't bother with it, is my recommendation. That's, like, it, it's bad. It's not worth yeah, your time. Yeah, just wait, just wait till it comes out on Disney+, and then fast forward to the Kane parts. Yeah. And then you'll have fun. Yeah. Or just wait till the cane parts go up on YouTube. Anyway, here's one more look at them. (laughs) This stupid face. He's got a grin. Does this guy say he's all about killing? Yeah. This is how he's smiling. He's just doing this. He's like doing the it smile, but just bad. Hey, Ryan, you know what? 
that, that smile makes you look like kind of a dick. You, you're going to be suddenly... Oh, a I should good, stop being a dick. You, yeah, you should just be a good person now. It's because I said I that. am good! Or whatever he says at the end. You're an Avenger now. Congratulations. Uh, okay, I'm done with this movie. Anyway. I'm so done. Can't wait for Guardians. Anyway. You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thoughtplane Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe, where we rank the Rocky and Creed films in anticipation for Creed 3. Till next time. See ya. Shrink. <laughs>